Episode 519 of Talking Space for June 19th, 2013. I'm Gene McCulka, and with me tonight is Mr. Mark Radiman. How are you doing today, sir? Good. Everybody out there, listen up. There's a lot going on. Oh, boy, is there ever. And tonight, since uh, Sawyer Rosenstein's a little bit under the weather tonight, so I've asked uh, no stranger to uh, the Talking Space microphone to uh, join us, the... Uh, Lovely and talented Craftlass, how you doing? Very well, thank you. And I appreciate you coming on board. And Sawyer, if you're listening, hope you're you're feeling uh, well and uh, uh, you know just just going ahead and and taking care of yourself. And I hope you're back at the microphone soon. Well, wow, did we have an interesting week to go ahead and talk about here? The first topic here is uh, back on Monday, uh, National Aeronautics and Space Administration announced their astronaut candidate selection for uh, 2013. This was a rather extensive year-and-a-half search, and uh, they've got a group of uh, really eight talented uh, new uh, astronaut candidates uh, to go ahead and and push forward the boundaries of exploration and basically try to go ahead and uh, see how they, too, are going to go ahead and contribute to, uh, to the astronaut team. Very interesting mix that we have here. First, uh, we have uh, a lot, first. The first thing I'm going to mention is we have a good good uh, number of military uh, pilots here, which was a bit of, of a surprise to me personally, because uh, we're not exactly going to be flying much uh, between now and uh, I guess what uh, I hope uh, 2017, 2017. I hope. Uh, when some of these commercial uh, spacecraft come online. But uh, a lot has been said of uh, one other thing. And, Craftless, um, you had a very interesting conversation with uh, with someone there about that particular topic. This is, again, the, the gender parity. There was uh, four men and four women selected, and a lot of buzz was made out of that, Just not just on the... Uh, not just on the social media front, but also in the news media and, and a lot of the other folks, correct? Yeah, I think it was the first time I ever saw mention of selection of astronauts, like, on the news since the first shuttle class. <laughs> like, you know, regular news. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. They made a big deal. I think there was a, there was a Google Hangout associated with, with the announcement, I, I believe, as well. And yes. they had two, uh, they had some folks, um, uh, two other astronauts there that were kind of sort of trying to take folks uh, along and saying, you know, all right, this is what's been go- this is what's going on right now with these with all eight of these people. Uh, they're going ahead and making arrangements and you know talking to current employers and having to make moving arrangements. And, you know, uh, I mean, shoot, they've all got to come over to Houston now. Uh, you know, picking up you know picking up uh, uprooting families, uprooting uh, you know uprooting themselves. Uh, so there's a lot of preparations that have to be made made here, but and I'm sure uh, there were a lot of excited uh, individuals too on the other end of that phone. I know I would be. Well, you know, that's for <laughs> darn sure. You know, somebody called me and said, uh, "Well, you know, hey, do you still want to come work for us?" And I'd be like, mm, "Let me think about for that and that just for a second. Yes. <laughs> you know. So, uh, but um, the, the the gender parity for some reason or other just really, really everybody kind of focused on that, and I'm just wondering. Some people were were kind of speculating was that just the way it worked out? And by the way, during the Google Hangout that NASA did present, that topic was explored, and I believe the answer was well, it just kind of worked out that way. But a lot of people are kind of thinking otherwise. Well, it is a, it is high above the quota that they've set for themselves, um, and that's pretty impressive. Um, it, I mean, it does suggest, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily. 
I don't know if it was done entirely on purpose or partly on purpose or is a happy accident. It, it, it's really hard to say, especially when you look at the early bios we're seeing. I mean, these are all obviously well-qualified people. It's, a, you know, it's a great group for having diverse backgrounds. While we did talk about there's a lot of military pilots. <laughs> There's, they've all done very interesting things. It seems like a group that makes sense to come in together, um, if you look at it, especially with all the focus we have on, you know, watching our climate. You know, we have a, um, a woman from NOAA coming in. We have, I, it, it makes a lot of sense. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to take that statement at face value that it was just the way it worked out. Um, I think it's more interesting the big deal that's being made in a way because, like I said, it seems like for the first time in a long time, mainstream media is paying attention to an ASCAN class, and it's because purely of this, you know, 50-50 split. And I think it's really interesting because I think on the one hand, I love celebrating the fact that there's some form of parity going on it's it's wonderful, and I think we should celebrate the accomplishments of women because, well, frankly, young women still really need to see role models in these positions. It's very important. But at the same time, it made me a little bit depressed that that was all people seem to be talking about. My entire, every feed on every social media site, that's all anybody was talking about. And I think that's a little sad because that shows how far we are from equality. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the ages here, here too. I mean, they range between 34 and 39. You know, it's a, it's a fairly good mix there. Um, I'm looking at the, the, the backgrounds. There's a lot of, I mean, there's one civilian, Jessica Meyer, who's, uh, I guess she's a, a PhD. She, uh, is assistant professor over, over at Harvard, Harvard Medical School. She's an anesthesiologist. She's also, you know, quite accomplished in other areas, but, as far as the, the the parody, why, you know, is it because of you know everybody saying, oh, we still have this glass ceiling to bust? I mean, I mean, not too long ago, just the past week, we celebrated Valentina Tereshkova's uh, launch. She was the first woman in space, which to me it was not something to go ahead and 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 for Russia to make a statement. It was essentially a propaganda coup, as far as that was concerned. <laughs> well, yeah, look at how many women they've sent since. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and of course, uh, we celebrated uh, the launch of uh, STS-7, which uh, uh, the shuttle Challenger carried uh, its crew, Bob Kirpin, commander. But also, uh, it carried uh, Sarah, Sally Ride on board, the first uh, American woman in space. We had to wait from you know the 19 what 1963 to to, to 1981 to go ahead and do the same. But I'm I'm still kind of aghast that we're still talking about the fact that somebody's internal plumbing matters. We should be talking about the the abilities. I mean, I'm looking at the dossiers of these people. These people are incredible. They're just absolutely amazing. And 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 you want to talk about role, good role models for kids. There you go, right there. There's eight of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There can be no question. Yeah. I mean, of course, we don't know much about their personal, personal lives or anything like that, you know, which a lot of people do look at. But I like to rise above that and just look at people's accomplishments. And you can't – these these are amazing people. And I, I think it's really cool that they're all quite young, so they have rather long careers ahead of them. Not everybody makes it in so young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it, it, it seems really forward-thinking. You know, the fact that they're all in their 30s and, you know, do have long careers. And we don't know exactly when we're going to be sending people from our shores again. Um, so that I think that was wise. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting group. And, and, you know, I can't wait to learn more about them mm -hmm. uh, just from reading these little blurbs and seeing some of the videos that they've done. It'll be great to, like, get to know who they are, but it's very, yeah, I can't believe that there, and only one is a civilian. I'm actually really surprised about that too. I, I didn't, just didn't expect that. I mean, there, of course there's a proud tradition of, you know, the military <laughs> becoming astronauts. It, it's just interesting that we've had 
you know, I, I kind of expected there to be more like academics, I guess you could say. Of course, they're all outstanding academically, but like from the more from the academic world. Yeah, I was I was I'll be blunt. I was sort of expecting the same thing, because, again, we're not flying shuttle anymore. And for at least another, what, seven, eight years, we're we're not going to be flying from here. But most astronauts don't fly in their first eight years as an astronaut anyway, so that doesn't really have an effect on these people. True, that's true. By the time they're anywhere near ready to fly, we'll hopefully have something flying. Uh, We hope. You know, well, that's the whole thing, is that because we don't know exactly what the direction's going to be, no matter how much Washington politicians seem to insist that we know what we're doing. um, (laughs) More later, by the way, on that. Yeah, (laughs) a little shout-out to the later topic. But, I mean, oh, hey, all of this fits together. You know, um, these people aren't, you know, going to fly for a while. So the fact that they're, I mean, hopefully by the time they're, they're at that point in their training, they will be assigned to be flying something. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, but yeah, it's, but it's true. I I just expected more, I guess you could say straight scientists, Um, you know, a little less military. It seemed like the trend was heading more that direction. Right. Um, There was an article that we kind of talked about during uh, pre-show. If uh, 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 if you want to mention that real, real quick, because it, it kind of talks about, this glass ceiling stuff and 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 uh, how I, I personally I, I don't think it's it, it's relevant anymore. I mean, but for the simple reason that again, I'm looking at these folks not for their internal plumbing. I'm looking at them for the extraordinary accomplishments they've done at such an ex, you know at such a young age. Right, so. and you know what? I wish I wish you were representative of the public at large. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not exactly that simple. So, um, you know, and that's just the reality that we're in. Um, women's rights is the oldest civil rights fight on this planet. And it's being fought in many, many arenas. I think one of the reasons that I became such a fan of space, I, I was a little girl when the shuttle, I, you know, I grew up with the shuttles, like almost exactly like the, like Enterprise's first chest flight was right after I was born. <laughs> it's, it's like, like exactly my lifetime, that program. And I remember watching Sally ride, <laughs> like launch, you know, and what an effect that had on me as a young child, as a, as a girl who was interested in science, it was a profound effect. Um, and, and, that's, you know, and that's why it's good that we make, we are making a big deal when, I mean, you know, um, I, there's actually, I have this statistic right here. Um, 534 people have been to space. 57 of them are women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's an incredible ratio. Yeah. And it's not entirely the U.S.'s responsibility either. Like I said, look how many women the Russians have sent lately. Um, look at the big deal over... An, um, the Chinese, the first Chinese uh, taikonaut that was female, and and the incredible rules about who they could pick, like um, you know having to be married and things that have nothing to do with being an astronaut. Um, this is just, I mean, it's just the way that it is. And if you're a woman who's fighting for equality, you have to recognize that this is the way it is, and it's a lot of progress, and yet we still have a really long way to go, unlike a lot of civil rights fights that are actually over fairly quickly, um, if you look at the broad scheme of time. So it, 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 that's why I feel like this is almost a... Every every time something like this comes up, it's almost like a double-edged sword, because I want to shout from the rooftops, and at the same time, I just wish that people would stop making a big deal out of it, because um, it's symbolic. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, and, um, and, and if you notice, I mean... The, the astronauts' miniature bios that are out, you know, and, and I can't say this for sure about astronauts so much, but professional professional men and women are treated differently um, in the public sphere. Um, you never, ever see a man, or at least in my experience, you never see a man put into a professional bio working father. That's very you know? true. That's very um, true. But for some reason it matters as a professional if a woman has had children or not. But nobody cares when it comes to the men. They care about the job they do. Um, you know, and, and there were so many struggles. Um, I can't remember her name. 
I should know this, but one of the ASCANs who was in Sally Ride's class, who was also female um, and was competing for Sally Ride's position, <laughs> she she mentioned uh, she she actually wrote a wonderful story. It's it's up on uh, like women at NASA, I believe, um, and she talks about how they they were given makeup lessons by NASA. Okay, I just I just heard the 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 needle go right off the stylus there for a moment, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you have to remember too what what time frame we were talking about. We're talking like the late seventies, <laughs> right. you know, and and there was still some whacked out, screwed up, jacked up stuff. Oh, and like you know that. what? I, I think know. it was brilliant. I think it was actually brilliant to make to in a way to make these women look more i mean you know what frankly most scientist women don't care that much like i shouldn't say they don't care about their looks i think most people care about their looks to some level but but it's not like makeup is not your first concern if you're a person of the mind for for most people not all not by any stretch there's no there's no one you know nothing really holds scientist women together except the fact that they're scientists and they're women (laughs) but um but in that sphere um you know it's it's they were representative and they had to they it, we couldn't afford at the time for people to think that it was unfeminine work because that would set back being able to have these women go to space in in the public eye. So I agree, this had to happen. But it's still indicative of, you know, just the fact that there's, there's there have been double standards all along and there still are to a certain extent. Yeah, well, that's... Hey, Mark, do you... Th- uh, um, I, I was just thinking too um, about the, the 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 STEM aspects of this whole thing and 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 the role models. You think we've we've got you know eight new role models for uh, kids to go ahead and look up to these days, rather than you know WWE superstars and stuff like that or, or what? Uh, depends on whether NASA has money to get the astronauts out in public to talk to kids, to talk to people, to talk to groups. And, uh, you know, that's not going to be the same as it has been in recent years. I doubt very much that it that it can be um, with the budget effects that are hitting all over the country. Uh, to, to Just to clo- close out this topic, there's one thing I want to give it. I, I just want to give a, a, a friend a, a friend of mine a shout-out. And, and uh, it's the uh, – it, it just want to – I don't want to end this on a sour note, but – Gosh darn it! I, 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 this was the one one mention that really, really got to me in this whole thing. It was a uh, friend of the show that's been here before, a gentleman by the name of Michael Gabois. Uh, he was a shuttle trainer, had been uh, training astronauts for fun and profit since about 1996, and was one of the unfortunate individuals amongst many. That were let go during the uh, the shuttle, you know, during the shuttle uh, uh, reduction in force, and uh, I thought about him him you know, when this was this announcement was made, and sure enough, there there he was uh, on a Facebook post that basically said, "This is going to be the first class of ASCANs I'm not going to be involved training," and I just felt, oh God, I felt awful for him. Oh man, you know, it was just it was just one of those things and and it kind of brings back to the reality. I mean, I know we're exuberant. There there's eight new folks here. But it kind of brings back to the reality too that we still have a long way to go in the program. That we still have to go ahead and kind of piece things together a little bit and 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 try to, you know, recover from 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 the shut, from the loss of the shuttle. I mean, it it has been huge. We're, we're, yeah, this yeah. is where the brain drain comes in. Exactly, and this is a guy who is just awfully talented, and we're not going to have his talents uh, with these these eight individuals. And that kind of, you know, for a moment there, I was like, oh man, you know, <laughs> just wow. But I just wanted to give him a shout out and a and a, and a huge uh, huge thank you for everything you know you, you had you had accomplished with previous classes. So I, again, Michael, a salute to you. Rosenstein, who isn't here tonight, kind of sort of kind of related this a little bit, too. He was over at uh, Space Fest 5, gosh darn it, where I should have been a couple of weeks back. Well, 
Carolyn Porco, during one of, one of the, the uh, presentations she made over there uh, at the event, let a cat out of the bag. And But she basically let the cat out of the bag, but she said, you guys have to, you know, this has got to be on the QT. This has got to be among us. And, you know, gosh darn it, a salute to everybody that went to Space Fest 5 and was in that audience at that time. Mum was the word. You didn't hear anything about this because, I, you know, I, if I, I'm usually pretty good about uh, hearing, you know, stuff uh, on, on the on the grapevine, and, and I didn't hear about this. So you guys that went to Space Fest 5, I salute you for, for knowing how to, how to keep a secret secret. Apparently NASA's... Cassini spacecraft, which is currently in orbit around uh, around Saturn, um, it's going to take uh, a mosaic of of Saturn on July 19th. The, according to the website, the main goal for the mosaic they're making of, of Saturn is to look more at the diffuse rings that uh, encircle Saturn and check for any changes in those rings over time. And again, they've taken various shots at these uh, rings in, in this configuration. And, uh, you know, again, they're, they're looking for just in case, you know, something's changed with the rings or if, you know, we would, you know, there's, there's only, you know, partial one there where, where a full one was before, that type of stuff. Well, the, the, the serendipity about this is that there's going to be a planet in the, uh, in the shot. And that planet is Cassini's home, former home, should I say, the Earth. And uh, it's going to be sort of a, another pale blue dot moment, if you will, the way uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory is uh, going ahead and, and uh, sort of posing this to everybody, saying, hey, look up on July 19th and wave at Saturn, because it's, you know, Cassini's going to go ahead and take your picture. So smile, say cheese, wave, do something. So uh, not a bad, uh, not a bad PR uh, tactic to go ahead and put in there, but uh, I'll throw this out, guys, um, for for uh, for opinion. What, what do you what do you folks think? A good uh, good PR move or just? What do you think? I think it's really neat. Uh, you know, it, it, they're asking people to look up. I, whether I don't know whether it'll work or not, but it's never a bad thing to ask people to look up. Because I'm immediately, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, uh, Dr. Karen James and uh, Dr. Lucy Rogers going ahead and, and doing the ISS wave uh, and setting that up. Not what was it? That was like years ago. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> what do you think? This is this is a halfway decent uh, PR move, or uh, is this uh, just sort of yeah, well, you know, ho hum? You brush it off. Well, it's it's a continuing investment because uh, getting the people engaged, getting people involved and interested and excited and, is what it's all about. That's going to pay off in years to come. It may not seem like much now, but there will be, you know, take take any any generation, not necessarily kids, but take anyone and say, hey, tell me something you remember, except for the end of the shuttle program about spaceflight and NASA and science and. People will will have something. It'll either be uh, something that was in the news or something that just caught their attention in their own personal interest. So I think it's fine. I'll... And also, they say that the, they're asking people to post pictures of themselves waving at Saturn. Right. And so, and then, and if they get enough submissions, they'll put together um, a mosaic of the of people waving at Saturn. <laughs> and um, you know what? <laughs> People really like to share pictures of themselves. That's very true. <laughs> and you know, I went to Times Square for the Curiosity landing. Oh yes, I and wanted there, to hear about this. Go there ahead. were like over a thousand people there, which seems like a small amount of people for New York City. It's a big city, of course, with lots of people. But it was like you know midnight on like a Wednesday or something, and people came out and uh, stayed up late, and it was such a great little party. <laughs> and um, I. Think I think anybody who was there will, you know, it's going to be a memory they cherish. And not everybody there was a giant space geek or anything. It was just, hey, neat, Mars rover, Times Square, people from NASA going to be there. Okay. <laughs> so, but I think they'll remember it. And I think um, they, they pay a lot more attention to curiosity because they were at something like that. And I think this is the same kind of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add my own two cents. Just you know, um, the whole uh, deal that we were we were kind of kicking around uh, on Twitter. 
was that uh, somebody had asked if this is sort of uh, a sort of a salute to Carl Sagan's pale blue dot concept. And I said, well, there is some science behind this, and this is what they're going to do. But it's kind of neat that that Earth is kind of just going to sort of wander in the, into that picture. I'm going to roll back the clock just a little bit, back to 1995, when I put together a, a solar system presentation on my own. And uh, we used the spacecraft uh, concept, and we did all kinds of gravity assists and things like that with, the, with, with our ship and so on. But... Um, uh, eventually, we got out to, to Neptune. We couldn't get to Pluto. Uh, I made up an emergency for the vessel that I couldn't get there, and you know, um, because we didn't really really didn't have good pictures of it. So I used one of the Hubble shots and used our backup telescope to look at it. Anyway, um, and then I swung that telescope around and I used the Voyager shot uh, with uh, you know, with, with the, the pale blue duck concept. And there was, the, there was the earth sitting there about maybe one or two pixels in size with the, with the little sunbeam going through it. And I basically said that that's where we came from. Anybody we've ever heard about, read about all of, all of the people that were, you know, trying to take over the world all those de- all those despots, every great leader, everyone we've ever ever known, your mom, your dad, they're all right there. And you could have heard a pin drop in the auditorium after that. I mean, it, it was that powerful of a statement that you know we're not. We think we're such big fishes in the, in, in this in, you know in a big pond. We're not. You know, the, the, it it, it kind of takes you down a little big, a bit of a peg. And any, you know, even an, an amateur astronomer will tell you that astronomy is a humbling experience. Um, but it it also kind of kind kind of says something about your own uniqueness. Yes, there is, you know, you know, there you are on this little lost piece of rocks flying around around the galaxy in this immense universe. But there's only one you on that rock, so uh, it kind of kind of brings back that kind of unique perspective as well. But um, yeah, if anybody's interested in learning more, uh, the NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory has got a website set up for the Wave at Saturn program. I will go ahead and give you the URL, but it'll also be in our show notes. Um, that is saturn.jpl.nasa.gov forward slash news forward slash wave at Saturn, one word. So if you want to go ahead and learn more about it, uh, there you go. Uh, and again, that'll be in our show notes. And can I just add, I hadn't thought about it until tonight, until just now talking about it, but sure. how beautiful is it that Carolyn Porco's mission is going to get to recreate something that, um, you know, was made famous by Carl Sagan? I know. Is that too cool? That's very poignant. Um, I, I, that, that makes me like all of this even more. <laughs> I know. It's just, uh, that is just really, really too cool. <laughs> Well, um, it, it was a busy week, as I, as I said, and it's only Wednesday as we record this. But uh, yesterday, NASA had a whole bunch of folks invited to NASA headquarters at the uh, Webb Auditorium um, where they were asking for help. They were essentially saying to industry, all right, folks, we want to go ahead and snare an asteroid. These are, are, this is the game plan. Which, they, which uh, Bill Gerstenmeier and, and others uh, uh, presented. Lori Garver was on hand, a few others. This is what we want to do. Bill Gerstenmeier described exactly what the uh, human part of this mission is going to be. Folks working on the solar propulsion, the solar electric propulsion system for the asteroid grabber, so to speak, were there explaining what that was all about and so on. And they're not just looking for for, for help from uh, industry on the uh, satellite on the asteroid capture mission here. They're looking for you know folks from academic from academia. They're looking for folks within NASA centers. In fact, they're asking NASA centers, "Hey, if you 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 have a better idea than we you see here, please by all means do it." 
a uh, request for information has been posted on uh, on the NASA website. We'll go ahead and throw that uh, request for information on on the show notes for this. But that's essentially what it was. Um, they did a presentation on what we want to do, how we're going to accomplish this. But what do you folks in, in in industry a think about this, and b how can you help us accomplish this mission? Again, there were a lot of academics in the gallery, but there were also, you know, Planetary Resources was in there. Their president, uh, Rick Tumlinson from uh, Deep Space Industries, was also there, along with a whole bunch of other folks. Um, they also had some commentary over there. But, again, uh, this was sort of their, their kind of uh, – this was NASA's basically saying, get, let's get everybody involved and let's go ahead and snare an asteroid. A lot of people were, have been saying, including Congress – that this really should be a, a commercial endeavor, snaring an asteroid. NASA should should you know play a part in this, but not basically play the lead. They should be it, essentially what Congress is trying to say: Look, it's industry that's going to go ahead and stand to profit from this. Why should the U.S. taxpayer go ahead and fund? something that, you know, the commercial folks are going to leverage. Why should the U.S. taxpayer basically fund these guys' R&D, which I think is what why Congress is, is kind of sort of making some overtures here to pull the plug on this whole thing and do some other stuff. I'm going to, at this point, I'm going to throw it out to you guys. A, you know, was it a good idea to go ahead and, and say, hey, uh, private industry or just, you know, private individuals, if you've got an idea, throw it at us. And, you know, are there any pratfalls to that? And, and B, Congress is over there also trying to kill this thing. And C, we have NASA going ahead while Congress is saying, well, let's pull a plug on this. You've got NASA, on the other hand, trying to, trying to go ahead and make sure that, that this thing is, is powered up and ready to go. So we, we've got some mixed messages here as well. I'll, I'll throw it out, out to, to you folks. Um, comments? Uh, uh, well, you first. First of all, it seems like there's kind of a tug of war going on. It was like with pretty much everything between the Hill and the White House on this particular topic because I, it, it sure does seem to come up a lot from uh, White House offices. <laughs> um, this whole the, the you know they seem a little obsessed with asteroids over there. <laughs> um, so you know there's the politics of things, but leaving that aside. You know, I, I, I've always thought that this is the kind of way you should do science is, is actually throw stuff out to everyone because you never know where a great idea is going to come from. <laughs> um, well, yes, that creates a situation where people have to actually go through all the ideas and figure out, you know, which to toss and which to work on. I don't know. It just seems like you never know who's going to have a great idea. And this is going to be a really interesting and tough problem to solve. But as far as industry, I don't know. It does seem like, I mean, this is exactly what these companies were formed to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, uh, I, I was there at um, the uh, 2012 ISDC when Planetary Resources basically announced saying, we're here and we mm -hmm. want to go ahead and, and hunt for asteroids. And I think uh, Rick Tumlinson was also in the audience, and I think that's basically it was at that announcement that I think uh, Deep Space Industries was also born out of that as a direct competitor to to plant to uh, which says something resources when an industry that doesn't tech doesn't technically really exist yet already has competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's exactly what we want. Um, the reason that we have so many interesting ideas going on is because we opened up things like human spaceflight to commercial companies and they're competing and competition is good. Um, you know, uh, iOS would not be, would be exactly as it was on the, uh, in iOS one, if it weren't for Android and vi and vice versa, you know, there's no growth without competition. So I, I, I think that's actually the American way <laughs> is to develop competition. <laughs> and obviously this is, you know, their real house. <laughs> I, you know, it's tough because NASA's budget is so tiny and it's always shrinking. 
as far as, you know, percentage of our budget and, and then it gets thrown more and more mandates as the budget gets trimmed down. So at some point they got to figure, you know, we do need an actual prioritization. And if something can be done by a commercial company, I, I don't have a problem with NASA maybe being a coordinator in this sort of a, like a watchdog over the industry um, on this kind of thing, because it is space and it is dangerous and it has, you know, things that are riskier than other areas of industry. Um, and any risky industry needs oversight. But it just, it does seem like people who stand to, to profit off of it, and we can already see that there could possibly be actual profits to the investment, then, you know, why should the government be paying for it? Hey, Mark, what do you think? I mean, you, you, you're, uh, you, you've probably seen some of the, the stuff, uh, maybe a little bit anyway, with your FAA experience. you think it was a good idea to go ahead and say, NASA to step up and say, okay, private industry and, and academia and, and the general public, help us out a little bit here? That's a nice try to get something going or to keep something going. I don't think it's going to be particularly effective. There's a finite amount of money available regardless of whose pocket it comes out of. Yeah, you're right. The the current NASA uh, allocation right now, at least the, the budget that they're looking at, is only about $16.87 billion, as I'm, I'm quoting here from a Space News article uh, written by uh, Dan Leon. You know, and, and again, this, this, this particular allocation basically gets rid of the money for uh, the asteroid mission. Uh, so, again, as... as as, as, as you pointed out, uh, we seem to be dancing to. There seems to be two sets of sheet music that exist here. One with, you know, one going to an asteroid, and uh, there was an announcement earlier uh, to just today uh, from uh, Politico that uh, not only is Congress trying to go ahead and you know look at possibly going to the moon, but. We're also talking about, once again, uh, it, it overtones of Constellation, uh, building possibly a, 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 a foothold or a sort of a McMurdo-like base on the moon, and then eventually going out to Mars and doing the same thing. Um, my thought there for, for, for Congress is, okay, and, and, and I, I posted this on Twitter, and we're going to get to that in a second. Um, I said, you know, for the budget that we've got and for what Congress is asking NASA to do, we're not going to go to Topeka, Kansas, let alone, you know, the moon or Mars. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, not on $16.8 billion. So we've got Congress basically saying, let's go to the moon, let's go to Mars on this end. We've got NASA on this end saying, let's go to an asteroid. We've got Charlie Bolden just yesterday uh, going in front of the UN, saying, "Yeah, we want to go to we want to go to an asteroid. Not only are we set to go to an asteroid, but uh, uh, we're we're really really hard at work, you know, trying to go ahead and make out the logistics of this thing." Um, the I mean, I'm not I'm not going to beat to death the asteroid mission. It is a a good. I, I think it's you know, do I think it's it's worthwhile? Yeah, I mean, there are planetary defense aspects involved in this. The B612 organization um, is is also looking at at, at what NASA is doing very closely. In fact, there was an idea, and I'm going to bring this up, and I can already hear hear uh, hear Sawyer yelling and screaming. But um, there was an idea from the audience. There was an engineer, and I'm gosh darn it, I'm trying to remember what what, what his name was and and where, when he said it because I've been been trying to review the tapes the the, the tapes, the, uh, the the MP3 from yesterday's um, discussion. And I can't find it, gosh darn it, but, it, it, and, but I know, know this was said, that there was one engineer that stood up and said, you know, why don't we go ahead and take this uh, asteroid capture apparatus once it's assembled, instead of going directly to the asteroid first, let's try to kind of sort of test and make sure this thing actually works. <laughs> so um, why don't we go ahead, pick out a piece of space debris in low Earth orbit, and allow this thing to kind of sort of do its thing, uh, do, you know, allow this capture device to go ahead and do this, this, its thing in low Earth orbit and capture a piece of space debris. 
and and see what happens happens and if it's able to capture that first. So in a way, we've got not only do we have a possible you know debris mitigation device, but we also have a planetary you know a planetary defense device here. But also, again, you've got the other side of the coin with planetary resources and um, and deep space industries. Uh, saying that these these are the guys that stand to make what is it um, you know if if they play their cards right almost in the realm of about 195 billion dollars annually if they find the right asteroids out there so you know what you're kind of walking a fine line I mean yeah there there are reasons to do this from a science standpoint obviously and from a planetary defense standpoint, and possibly from a space debris mitigation standpoint. So these are things NASA could leverage. Also, they're saying that the solar electric um, propulsion system is a demo for Mars. My question, though, and I, I did ask this of Lori Garver, is it really required, you know, is it a required step to do this asteroid mission and go to Mars? You know, my personal thought is probably not. You, you, you can still do the, the propulsion demo without doing the asteroid capture. So I think you're trying to basically kill two birds at one stone doing that. But is it, is it a critical step for Mars? Probably not. I've uh, never, I've, I've actually never, I've never been able to find anything backing up the argument that it is a critical step. That, yeah. I mean, I've, I've read good arguments for doing it, of course, because there's plenty. There's good arguments for doing a lot of things that we're not doing. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> so that's that's the thing. Of course, it'd be great to do. It's a matter of is that the best way to use a limited budget? Mark, what do you think? Is is that the best way to use a limited budget right now? Seriously? No, thank you. I agree. <laughs> I, I I think I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm, I've said this sort of thing before. I think going to the moon, going to the Mars, going to an asteroid is a waste of time. I think the people that are part of science on the International Space Station are probably pulling their hair out saying, why don't people pay attention to what we're doing? Why don't they see the benefits that we're bringing the medical technology uh, human factors of spaceflight. Why don't people pay attention to the benefit we're bringing and invest more in this type of space? But that's just my opinion. Well, I, I like low Earth orbit. I think our future is in low Earth orbit. I don't think it has anything to do in the near term, which I'm going to say near term, 50 years and going beyond there. I'll take you to task just by this one thing. I'm, I kind of think that the, the work being done on ISS is, is absolutely critical. But I, I think, too, we're doing the work on ISS so we can go to these other destinations later on down, down the line. Uh, it is absolutely critical that we, we discover what happens to the human body in, in microgravity conditions. We're finding, as, as you pointed out, Mark, we're, we're finding out that eyesight is affected. You know, of course, we have the osteoporosis bone loss issues. There are other issues that, that affect our astronauts when we're there. Those things have got to be absolutely corrected if we're going to at least shoot from Mars. Um, so, so ISS is doing incredible work. And you're right, it's not popularized enough. And any chance I get, I try to go ahead and popularize what ISS is doing because I think it's 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 super critical to what to what we 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 need to do right now, and to the future because I think our our road to Mars and our road to the Moon is goes right through the International Space Station. So on, on that lovely note, I had uh, uh, to just kind of go hand in hand with this. I fired out a, a story, as I usually do on Twitter. If anybody follows me on Twitter, uh, they'll notice that I go ahead and, and post articles and so on that I'm reading uh, that I do research for the show here. Uh, so you, you kind of, if, if anybody wants to see how my mind works, which is scary enough as it is, they could go ahead and, and take a look at my Twitter feed, you know, and, and kind of see when it, where I'm posting articles. Sometimes, you know, there, there are conversations with friends there too, but 
there's, for the most part, I've got a lot of articles that are posted, and it's just sort of, I'm just sort of doing my homework, trying to keep up with what's going on and so on. So, you know, if, if you folks follow me, by all means, you know, enjoy the, enjoy my, enjoy what I'm, I'm, I'm picking up. I posted an article this morning on Politic, not from Politico, that discusses the House of Representatives not only wanting to get rid of the asteroid mission, but do the Moon Mars thing. As things sort of happen on Twitter, it, it actually started, this little little spark actually started a little bit of a, well, a bit of a firestorm, if you will. Um, I, I posted the article out, and then um, none other than uh, Florida Today's uh, space editor, John Kelly, post, posted, uh, the, the the headline said, uh, "U.S. House adds Mars Mars base to lunar lunar plan via Politico," and Florida Today's John Kelly went ahead and, and chimed in, and no new money to make it real. Which, yeah, that was my first thought too. <laughs> you know, I mean, we've got a 16.8 billion dollar budget here. We're not going. We're not doing that. You know, on on that kind of money. Um, Eric Berger basically said, "Yeah, truly a mess." And then I said, "Yep, mess indeed." We, we, you know, we need a consensus here. We need need to. I mean, are we doing this asteroid mission, or are, are we are we doing the 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 lunar base here? Um, some people have said you, you could do both. I still don't see how you can do it on sixteen point eight billion dollars, but. Um, you know, basically saying, oh, this is the flexible path example. Well, no, because we can't afford it if that's the case. And, again, we're going to lead into, you know, the old space exploration initiative and constellation deal where, you know, it just gets too top-heavy and, and basically tumbles in on itself. Well, um, I basically fired back to uh, Eric Berger. Um, yeah, if we don't get a consensus soon, Along with any type of sustainable funding, you know, we're not, and this is where I said we're not going to go to Topeka, let alone the moon. John Kelly, you know, tried to make light of the whole thing, but, you know, you know, said Topeka is quite a drive from KSC or, or the Johnson Space Flight Center. Um, yeah, I, I kind of chuckled that in spite of myself. Well, the conversation went on and on and on between a lot of players, not just uh, John Kelly and Eric Berger, but uh, Dan Varagano from uh, USA, USA Today stopped by. Uh, Justin Kluger, who's a, a, a great you know follow, if you want to go ahead and, and follow him and find out what's been going going on with the ISS, of uh, and a cast of just you know, I think um, uh, Keith Kelling from NASA Watch showed up at one point, uh, basically saying that. Uh, no one at uh, NASA or the White House is going to, you know, really, really pay attention to anything the uh, National Research Search Council committee committee says because we were talking about uh, the NRC's need for saying that in order to really, really do any execute anything in human spaceflight, and this is something Justin, Justin and I really totally agree here with, there has to be some sort of decadal survey the same way we do with the planet, planetary exploration side of the house. And that decadal survey has to be basically in stone. And I agree with, uh, there was one member of Congress who said that the NASA administrator, in order to carry out that decadal survey, should be in there for 10 years. They should have a 10-year term. There are other, in, there are other um, administrators in 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 government that have that 10-year term. And I think this is, you know, I, I, I still ardently believe that, and, and, and so does Justin. Um, but um, Keith, not so much. But this just led to a, you know, a, a whole huge discussion uh, with a cast of thousands that just lasted, you know, well into the afternoon. Um, and if anybody's interested in um, on uh, Eric Berger's uh, SciGuy Science blog, uh, he basically put the whole thing together. Uh, I'll throw that in the show notes uh, it, because it's a it's a fascinating read to see what what commentaries were, were going back and forth. But um, during that whole thing, I kind of I noticed there was an 800 pound gorilla in the room, so I just decided to introduce it. I said that what we're all grappling with here, the big question that we're really, really all kind of sort of dancing around, but nobody's really come out and said it, this nation 
has not firmly articulated really what purpose a human spaceflight program has in a constitutional republic. We haven't had time to do it. If you really think about it, NASA was born out of the Cold War. It was, it was born to take on a crash program to get some, someone into space and to it get It was some... basically a giant pissing contest. Yes. <laughs> well, it, well, not really. It was well, actually, well, let me. There were, there were, it was, it was a far less mature, I just mean in the sense of there was like almost a level of immaturity to what sparked it in the sense of the, the competition of, you know, of it and, and, and it wasn't really, I don't know. I, I, I've always kind of joked that we didn't exact, like, I think the space program is the most noble thing that this country does. But it, it really got rolling for about the least noble reasons possible. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, 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 it was actually, in my estimation, a substitute for a shooting war. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which is good. That is yeah. grand and noble. So, <laughs> it was, it, you know, it was much more. It was much more than that. It, my estimation, it was a, it was a substitute for a shooting war between us and, and the Soviet Union. So I would have much rather have done that. You know, I would much rather have done what we did, which was to, you know, try to have this technological contest to go to the moon. I would, uh, yeah, I'd, I think it's probably better for nations to compete in any way that does not involve, especially when both nations can, you know, destroy the world thousands of times. That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> You know, so I thought, you know, we, we, but again, we, we didn't take, we, we didn't have the time. You know, we, we didn't take the breather. And then we, we kind of put the program on automatic pilot for 30 years with shuttle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but we never really took stock of what we had. Well, it also it really feels did. like we, when we lost Von Braun, like he was such the visionary of, of, so much of what we did and so much of what was planned and never done or even down to, you know, I mean, his idea sparked everything that we're doing pretty much like or have done, you know, I think um, we've we've never had that kind of visionary visionary who could sell ideas to the politicians like that. I mean, um, and, and so we sort of lost the concept of a grand vision. Well, we lost Von Braun. We lost uh, Dr. Gerard O'Neill mm-hmm. way too soon. Yeah, um, th- th- those two were, were absolute giants. Um, but again, we never have answered that question. And you know, the question of what the purpose of a human spaceflight program does in in a constitutional republic. We've and, never and also- answered that question. What it does in a more global world, in a world with a lot more cooperation than there used to be. Because look at the space station and working as working in a partnership. That comes into play in figuring out where we're, where we need to, where we can go, where we need to go. That does play a role. Well, heck, uh, well, heck look at Orion. In our future. And I think the ISS is such a wonderful model for international cooperation that it, would almost be a shame to back off from those kinds of cooperative missions. You're talking about, co- yeah, you're talking about cooperation. Look at, look at, look at Orion. Right. I mean, it's, it's service module is going to be made by the European Space Agency. Uh, it is essentially a hybrid of the, uh, the automated transfer vehicle, uh, which, by the way, ATV4 docked with uh, ISS uh, earlier last week. Loaded with some really cool supplies, and and we're going to get on. We're going to get to those those cool supplies on another show because there was there's there's one one cause that that there's one chocolate bar that's on board ATV right now, and I'm teasing a little bit for the next show <laughs> that we're gonna we're gonna kick around a little bit because it's it, it's 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 chocolate with a with a good cause. So, well, just just a tease for next week. But to get get back to what we we, we were talking about, it's. A little, I mean, we've got to, def- we're not only trying to define what purposes a, a human spaceflight program has in the country, we're trying to see what the broader picture is. And we've really never, never stepped back and said, wow, okay, how does all this fit in? How does this work? What, what, what can we do? How do we make it better? So I guess that leaves the question. And I'm going to go ahead and, and kind of leave it to you guys. I'm going to throw this in your lap. 
if if you guys have got a comment um, about any of this, go ahead and, and write it on our on, on our Talking Space Facebook page. Let us know, or shoot us an email at mailbag at talkingspaceonline.com. Uh, you can write something up for us, or you can go ahead and send us an MP3. If you do send us an MP3, we definitely will share it with everybody. So, uh, again, have we? You know, is this a question we need to grapple with and answer going forward? And is, was that really the one, the 800-pound gorilla in that room? But in my eyes, too, we still need, you know, you know can the U.S. go, and, and, and other folks, too, are saying, well, maybe we can do both. Maybe we can have a, a return to the moon and this asteroid capture mission and still fund SLS, you know, robustly and do all this other stuff and still keep ISS through 2020. How? You know, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I Without, mean, no you know, and, and then no don't forget, that's, that we're, 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 at that point, you're still not even vaguely discussing all the other things that NASA has to do, you know? Yes. I mean, you know, um, I, I noticed, you know, Congress is trying to uh, make sure that way less is spent on things like watching the climate. And that's kind of an important part of what NASA does these days. Well, also, too, aeronautical research, uh, you know, trying to go ahead and make sure um, aircraft are, are safer and uh, more efficient. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're also experimenting with green fuels for, for, for aircraft and so on. And there, there's much more in the NASA portfolio. Planetary exploration. Not, I was going to say, not always planetary takes, science. <laughs> always takes the hit. Um, always. Um, and, of course, climate is you know, has become, it has become such a politicized issue that, you know, um, a lot of people on the Hill don't want anyone to look at the glaciers, you know? Yeah. So, you know, just things like that. And, um, I mean, gosh, it's hard to imagine, uh, Gene, you and I live in New Jersey, Mark, you're down in Florida. Can you imagine a world without a NASA NOAA par- partnership and watching our weather? <laughs> Not after Sandy. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, 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 you know, so it's, it's tough because, you know, it, it keeps coming back to Washington keeps asking NASA to do more with less and less and less and do more and more and more. And that's not a trend that's going to, it hasn't been working. It's been broken for a long time and it's not going to suddenly magically start working because we're dealing with science and not magic. I'm going to go ahead and steal something from a show called The Five. <laughs> um, they do this little thing, one more thing. If you guys want to plug any, anything or, or so on, I'm going to go around, around the horn once, and, and if you got something, fire it out. If not, you know, that's cool too. Cassie, you know, one more thing. Go for it. So I'm very, very excited about this. Um, I was contacted a few weeks ago, I guess now maybe a couple of months ago, um, about, I, I wrote a piece on my blog back, uh, in between STS 133's attempts at launching. Um, and I called it How to Love a Space Geek, a guide for friends and family. <laughs> And it was kind of just trying to explain to people who don't understand, you know, why your family, why your loved one has disappeared for weeks to the Space Coast. And no, that does not mean that they don't love you. It just means they, you know, love launches. (laughs) Um, So, which can be complicated to explain to the uninitiated. And so um, I got contacted a few weeks ago um, and asked to, by uh, a guy named uh, Gary Milgram, who has done several ebooks about the uh, shuttle program and the space program in general. Um, and he was putting together an ebook of the absolutely mind blowing photography of James Brown. Um, no, not that James Brown, obviously. <laughs> um, and uh, they contacted me and asked if they could use my piece in their new book. And it's called negative return. Uh, the it's, mainly out for iPad. Um, I'm trying to encourage them to crowdfund an actual printed book because if you go and look at this ebook, it is some of the best shuttle photography I have ever seen. And I look at a lot of pictures of the space shuttles and it's just absolutely stunning. And I'm very proud to be part of it and everyone should go check it out. 
Thank you. Mark, any, any last words about uh, the, anything on the show tonight? It's interesting. A lot to think about, and I'm looking forward to next week. And my one more thing, uh, as some folks know out, may know out there, some of you don't, uh, my family had a huge conflagration uh, a couple of weeks back. My mother was involved in a near-fatal car accident, bottom line. And I was sort of terra incognita for a little while on, on this particular program. A whole bunch of folks uh, on various social media, Twitter, Facebook, reached out and kind of understood what was going on and, and asked if everything was okay. We had, I mean, I had a lot of people that were, were very, very kind and, and so on. And I wish I could, I could go ahead and thank each and every one of you. Unfortunately, it would probably take up, you know, another hour of the program to go ahead and do that. But uh, I just wanted to say thank you and thank you for the concern for myself and thank you for the uh, concern for the family. And uh, just another shout-out to the missing Sawyer Rosenstein. He won't be missing for long, I hope. Um, I know his uh, voice is pretty much, uh, unfortunately, shot right now, but uh, it'll come back, I hope, for the next program, and I'm looking forward to having him back in the, in the, uh, the proverbial Attila the Hun chair here. Um, again, uh, thank you, everybody, for, uh, for, for listening. Mark Ratterman, thank you so much for being here. Tally-ho. And Craftless again. Thanks so much for uh, for for taking my chair in this uh, in this episode. Oh, thank you even more for having me. Quite honored that you join us. And again, thank you for listening. And I uh, hope you're going to go ahead and stick around and listen to a lot of the uh, the great programming on Astronomy FM. There's some good stuff coming your way. So again, uh, for Talking Space, uh, this is Gene McCulka. Thanks for listening. <laughs>